1: Welcome back. It's Coffee and a Convo podcast, your favorite podcast, I like to think in my own head. I am one of your hosts, Jenna Berkland. The other half of the trio, Cameron Swear, she is not with us today and she was not with us uh, when we did this recording a couple months ago. I was so excited to get this guest on to have her talk, tell her story, and she was willing, and so I was like, let's get it done. Might have jumped the gun a little bit, but either way, this episode this week is phenomenal, you guys. I am so excited for you to hear it. Kayla dives into her story. She dives into spiritual struggles, physical struggles, relationship struggles. She dives into a few things that she's overcome and just, I think, really gives insight into the human condition in general, but also what so many women go through um, on in some way or another, whether it's to the extreme that she's gone through it or... Um, or whatever it may be, she's opening up about it and talking about things that so many women aren't willing to get that vulnerable and talk about, because it is. It's a a vulnerable spot, and we get a little bit into that as well. But I am just so thankful and so honored that um, she opened up and decided to do so on our podcast uh, with me sitting there at her dining room table and just poured her heart out. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this. Um... I get emotional I tear up a little bit in it and I hope it just hits you guys at close to home too and just really sinks into your heart and um I don't know I don't know it just touches you in the way that it touched me so with that uh here's Kayla and here's this week's episode <laughs> All right, welcome back to a Coffee and a Combo podcast. Um, Today we have another exciting guest for you guys. Um, I introduced her a little bit in the intro, but today we have Kayla Freeze McLeod, a small town Midwest. I noticed on your Instagram you have Freeze in there. Yeah. And that's probably because, you know, you you go on Facebook and you're like, this person added me. Who the heck is this? And then you're like, oh, that's because I knew them back in high school when their name was such and such. So Kayla McLeod used to be Kayla Freeze. Yep. And um, she's just going to be sharing a little bit about her story, um, just the struggle she's gone through with um, infertility, getting pregnant in the past few years with her marriage, and a little bit about her blog and her life, and just so excited to have her here. So I'm just gonna have her introduce herself a little bit, tell a little little mini bio about herself, and then we'll just jump right in. Okay, so my name's
2: Kayla, my husband is Tim. We both grew up in Huron, we met in high school, so school sweethearts, moved away for a little bit, decided to move back because this is a place where we wanted to raise our family so they could be around their grandparents, both sets actually, cousins, aunts, uncles. Um, I'm a third grade teacher and Tim works for a power company called WAPA. Alright, what WAPA, that's interesting. Yeah. I,
1: ha- I hadn't really heard of that, It like I guess.
2: stands for something but I couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell me. All Western right. Area Power
1: Probably about western that. area part okay that makes something. Sense. Some, something something along those yeah. lines yeah um okay so when did you guys get married 2017 2017 all right um and so now I guess I already told you a little bit about what we're going to be talking about and with that I'll just kind of give you the floor to just share your story I I love having we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording but I love having people um, on our podcast that have been through things. Cause it's one thing for us to, you know, research and tell you guys things, but it's a an, completely another thing for someone who's, you know, going through it and, um, has gone through it and actually knows firsthand the ins and outs of certain subjects. And so I'm so excited that we get to have you here today. So with that, I will just have you dive into your story a little bit. Okay. So I guess like,
2: I kind of want to share how I think I got here today. Um, It's a story that I've never shared on the blog. I've only really shared with Tim. I've always had a really strong faith and I pray a lot to God about just different things. And senior year of high school, I was praying about was I making the right career choice, going to the right school. Tim was actually leaving for the army and I was really praying about that. And the conversation of just family and struggle came up and I heard God say to me, share your story and I never really thought much about it because at the time, like, that wasn't relevant in our life. Flash forward to my senior year of college. I knew Tim was going to propose soon, and I was just praying about that, and again came up, share your story, and I kind of didn't really think much about it either. Then flash forward to we're about six months into trying, and I was just in a really dark place. I didn't really want to seek counseling because... In a small town, I knew 80% of the people at the community counseling building, and we hadn't shared our story at all, so I just wasn't comfortable yet, and I was really struggling with just communicating with Tim. Like We were on different wavelengths, and he's like, I need you to communicate with me how you're feeling, what's going on, and it was just really hard for me, so Tim actually thought of the idea of typing everything out, and then he could read it, and I wouldn't have to talk about it, so... That's kind of where I started and then came in, oh, what was it? March, National Infertility Awareness Week. And I thought back to that conversation with God and him telling me, share your story. So I kind of just went with it and I posted it and it just really took off from there. And then flash forward to this past June, I was in a really dark place. It was two years now of our journey And kind of just everything had sunk in. Just everything we went through. And I was just having a really hard time. I was crying every day. Um, I was waking up in the middle of the night having panic attacks. And I thought, okay, I need to do something. So I pulled out my 31 day of prayer through infertility. And I flipped to two random pages. And one of them was about praying about following your journey. And I remember getting so angry because I thought, you know, I have shared my journey I've been very open about it at times I didn't want to be open about it I was I've joined support groups I've even had the chance to help a couple women overcome some struggles that they were facing with infertility and so I flipped to another page and it was pray for clarity and so I was just really asking God to lead me in the direction I needed to go and help me get through it I go outside and I'm helping Tim in the yard and my phone dings, and it's you guys DMing me to come on the podcast. And Tim was like,
1: Share your story. Like, you have to okay. do it. That's so crazy because, okay, so Cameron usually runs our Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. And I just have to interrupt you a little bit because that's so. It's like I just got chills because it's such a god thing. Because Cameron is usually the one who runs our Instagram. She's usually the she's usually the one you know behind the screen, kind of interacting with our audience, um, in a sense. And I don't even know why. I mean, I have access to it, obviously. And I just got on once, and I'm like, I'm like, oh look, this, this, and this person followed me, and for absolutely no reason whatsoever. I happened to click on you. Yeah. Like you, usually. I mean. Usually, I I wouldn't have done that. Like, if someone will message us, I'll interact with them a little bit and, you know, interact with our listeners that way. And I have people texting me and stuff. But as far as like going and like searching out someone who had followed me, had no idea who you were, didn't really recognize your name at all or whatsoever, didn't even know you're from here. I'm just like, oh, who's this? <laughs> clicked on you, and I'm like, oh, oh. And I think, I think you had, um, had that, like, blackboard on one of your pictures Mm. of with, like, the white lettering on it or something. And it said, like, failed embryo transfer or something. I'm like, what's this? And then I'm like, oh, she has a blog. And then I, like, read through some of your blog posts. I'm like, she's in South Dakota. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, right then and there. I, like, messaged Cameron. I'm like, I want to have this girl on. Can we have her on? And she's like, that sounds great. I'm like, cool, I'll message her. And then I messaged you. And you replied right away. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so crazy. So, honestly, just the fact that, like that had to be a God thing because otherwise mm-hmm. I I totally out of nowhere I clicked on you. Absolutely yeah. out of nowhere, honestly. And then I was like, like Brianna, she's from here on. Do you know her? And she's like, Yeah, she's the sweetest girl <laughs> <guy> ever. <laughs> and I'm like, crazy. And it's yeah. just like I should have known who you were, but I didn't before that moment. So I that was that's just so cool to right. me. Right. It is. It's such and
2: Tim is he's always been kind of a skeptic. And when I first told him this, he's like, No, like you're thinking all that in your head. Like God's not talking to you. And then yeah. It took till that time in June when you
1: DM me, and he's like, oh, like, that has to be. like Right. That's be, so cool. Yeah. Okay, so now we know kind of how we got to this point, how you got on the pod, and so kind of maybe walk us through for some people who don't really know, like, what different options you guys have sought through, kind of your whole process, what you guys have been through thus far, what you're going through now type of thing. Okay, so
2: we started about a year after we got married, and I thought it was going to happen right away. Both sides of our family, they actually conceived very quickly and not planned, so I'm like, there's no way we're going to struggle. You know, like, right. we're actually planning it out, right. and I remember even Tim's brother and sister-in-law had come over on our one-year anniversary, and they gave us a bottle of wine, and I'm like, oh, you keep it. I'm not going to be drinking. We're trying for a baby, and they're like, oh, Okay. And, yeah, it it didn't happen, obviously, the first month. And then it kept not happening. And I am totally aware that it takes at least, they say, 12 months to get pregnant. So I was really aware of that and, like, I understood that. But at the same time, I was like, okay, I just had this gut feeling something was off. And I had actually been on birth control for seven years. And so when I got off of it to start trying... I was having really painful periods mm-hmm. and a lot of pain with intercourse.
1: It's probably TMI, but Oh no, this we're, we going were with the it. CEOs of TMI on this <laughs> podcast. So you go right for it, girl.
2: So yeah, I was like, well so I was talking to my mom and she was like, Maybe you could just get in with an OB to just talk about that stuff and right. then the fertility stuff can come later. So I called and I couldn't actually get in until January. So that put us at seven months. I was like, perfect. If we're not pregnant by then, maybe they would start doing something. Right. And we went in January, and we did a lot of blood work during ovulation and my period, and everything was coming back great. There was no signs of really any infertility. So I guess I'm diagnosed as unexplained infertility. They can't really figure out why I'm not getting pregnant.
1: So here's my question, and I've I've heard because I've done a little bit of research into this because um, so I have. Uh, what is it called? It's like glucose resistant PCOS or something like Mm -hmm. that. There's like five different strains and one of them is birth control induced PCOS. Have have you like looked into that at all? And I had
2: all the testing done for PCOS and they all came back fine. Like they really thought I had the glucose one like you're talking about. Nope. My numbers come back. Perfect. That's crazy. It is. They just, all my blood work is so great. And then Tim got tested or gave his donation and I mean, he's got swimmers for days, and they're (laughs) swimming at the right speed, so can't figure that out. So the next step was to have a HSG, and I told Tim, like, don't even bother coming. Like, he had an evaluation that day, so I was like, don't even come. It's fine. My tubes are probably blocked. That's really what the OB thought. It's what I thought. It'd be fine. And I still have PTSD. Like, I can remember that day so vividly. You know, you're walking in the x-ray, room and it's just so cold you're laying on this like metal bed with your butt high in the air and you're naked from the waist down you know your legs are spread in the stirrups and it's just such a vulnerable feeling and I can it felt like a pap smear but like pinching the entire 15 Mm. minutes it was it was awful and the x-ray tech was amazing she held my hand through the whole thing and like I was kind of swearing and screaming, and he was <laughs> laughing, but yeah, it was very painful. And I sit up and I look at the x ray machine, and I just was like, What is that? That's not a uterus. <laughs> that's not fallopian tubes. Like, I, I couldn't make out what it was. Right. And that's when she told me I have a unicornia uterus. And she starts saying, You know, that comes with premature births, bed rest, you'll have to have a C section. And then she says, I'm going to refer you to a specialist. And that's when I kind of started crying because I thought, oh, this is bigger than what I thought.
1: Right. It's not just something that's going to be a quick fix. It's, it's. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so I walk out, and my sister says I was just white as a ghost. So we get in the car, and the first person we call, you know, my mom, because right, obviously, that's what you you do. And she had no idea; she had never heard of it. So she hangs up, and I'm sure she's googling it. And so that's what I do: is I google it. And you really couldn't find much information about unicornia uteruses. And basically, what that means is I have half the normal size uterus, and it's on my left side. And only one fallopian tube.
0: Mm. My
2: right fallopian tube is called a rudimentary horn. And it's called that because it's not, like, attached to anything. Mm. So I actually then, which I'm going to...
1: So does it just, like, hang out? Like, doesn't really
2: do anything? Yep. Okay. But if my right egg were to produce... Or my right ovary were to produce an egg that month, I would... I could have ectopic pregnancies. Oh, okay. So I had surgery to remove that because we didn't want that to be a problem. And, yeah, I just – I went home, crawled into bed, and was just bawling, called Tim. There's no way he could even make out what I was saying. Right. And then all of a sudden, I look up, and he's home. I'm like, (laughs) did you just go 80 miles an hour to get here? Like, what are you doing here? Have I really been crying that long? (laughs) Yeah. And this explains our relationship perfectly. I'm a very emotional person. I wear it all on my sleeve, and I always – I don't know. Yeah, I'm just a very emotional person, and he is very – calm, cool, collected, and he's like we're not going to worry about it till we see the specialist, we're not going to google anything, like just just breathe, it'll be okay and I'm like, no, this is like the worst thing ever, right so we make an appointment to see a specialist in Sioux Falls, and South Dakota only has two infertility clinics, so one in Sioux Falls and one in Rapid City Sioux Falls is the closest, which is you know, two hours there and back for me which kind of stinks, but So we make the appointment, and my mom had came with us that day, and thank God she did because she was asking all the questions, writing everything down, and he just kind of confirmed everything that OB had said, but then he said the words, um, I could, on average, have five miscarriages, and that's kind of when I just checked out. I was like, could I mentally go through that? Like, could I even mentally go through one miscarriage? Right. And I'm totally checked out. And then he starts talking about surrogacy. And I'm like, I know nothing about surrogacy. Absolutely nothing. I think I, the only thing I knew was Kim Kardashian had a surrogate. Right, Like, right, that's right. all I could think of. And so I'm like, what in the heck? I I didn't even know where we would go from there, like, what that even entailed. So my mom's asking all the questions about it. And we thought, okay, we're just going to take a couple weeks to digest this and go with it. Well, we get in the car and Tim's like, okay, we got to start searching surrogacy agencies and all this. And I'm like, no, like, (laughs) no, I am not having a surrogate carry our child. Like, are you crazy? And he's like, well, you're not going through five miscarriages. Are you crazy? And like, we were on total different wavelengths. Right. And now like, I totally see where he was coming from. You know, he didn't want to see me go through that. He wanted me to be healthy. He wants our baby to be healthy. But it was a really hard thing for me to accept. So yeah, so we're just on different wavelengths, and we took a couple weeks to think about it, but at the same time, um, the specialist wanted to go back and do all the blood work with me. And this is kind of a point where I wish I would have been an advocate for myself and said, no, I've already had this blood work done with this OB. And I was so healthy that I didn't really understand why we were doing it again mm-hmm. because it's not cheap. I had to pay all of that out of pocket. Right. My insurance didn't cover it. So, I guess that's kind of my advice for anyone listening, like you really have to be an advocate for yourself and I had wish I would have wrote down all the blood work I had had done and given those results to the clinic so I didn't have to double up on it. And then the next step was to have an MRI because they wanted to just get a better picture of my uterus, the size of it make sure I had both kidneys because that's something um, someone with a unicornate uterus typically only has one. Oh, wow. And yeah, so just kind of get a better picture. Oh, and we were kind of thinking maybe I had endometriosis. Okay, yeah. That's why I was having such painful periods and pain with intercourse. So the MRI would show that, um, which it didn't. I didn't have endometriosis and it just, it did confirm my rudimentary horn, though, so that's when we kind of decided to have the surgery to remove that, and we were just kind of going with things now at this point, and still wasn't really sure about the surrogacy thing, and I didn't even know how to go about it. Like, I'm like, dude, just go on Facebook and say, hey, I need a surrogate. Like, looking
1: for someone to get knocked up for me,
2: like. Yeah, <laughs> it was just so odd, and a lot of people ask me, well, how come your sister didn't do it? And at the time, my sister was 24. She was in her first year of grad school. And I thought, there's no way I can ask her. Right. Like, I can't take that experience away from you. Like, this is a time in your life where you get to be very selfish. You Mm -hmm. get to do what you want. And she was single at the time. And I'm thinking, okay, you're going to go on a date and, like, explain to the guy, oh, I'm six months pregnant, but it's not mine. Right. Come on. Like, no. So that just wasn't an option. And my aunt had really wanted to do it for me, but she had really bad complications with pregnancies with her two boys. So that was kind of out of the question. You know, my mom is obviously over the age of 40, which brings a whole nother list of complications. Right. So yeah, we were just kind of like at a loss with that. And one day my our best friend had invited us to go look at a house with him. And his realtor was one of my best friends in elementary school. We graduated with her, you know, we're like still like we know each other, but like, you know, not best friends in each other's lives every day and we're sitting around and we're talking and at this point I had already started my blog, so she was kind of asking me about that and I was telling her, I'm like, yeah, I just, you know, I don't know how we're going to find a surrogate. Like, how do you, how do you go about that? And we're like joking around and a week later she DMs me and she's like, you know, ever since I read your blog. I've really prayed about it, and this is something that I would love to do. And I'm thinking, whoa. Like, you know, we're not (laughs) best friends. Like, we're kind of strangers in each other's lives. And, like, she was willing to give up an entire year of her life to give Tim and I a child. And I just was so emotional about that. I thought, like, just what a wonderful human being to do that for someone. And... I was like, okay, like let's get together. I knew Tim was going to be on board 100%, and so we decided to get together to kind of talk about it and just see like what page we both were on. And we get together. Everything that I wanted her to say, she said. And I think everything she wanted me to say, I had said. And it went really, really well. So that's kind of where... Now we started with the whole surrogacy thing. And it it happens so quickly. Like, I feel like just everything at this point is happening so quickly. And we... So then what's the next step? So Molly decided to be our surrogate. So we move now into meeting with the fertility clinic. They meet with Molly. And there's just all these steps I didn't even think of. Um, First, they had to do some routine checkup with her, make sure she's healthy, that... She will be able to carry a child. So while she's doing that, we had to get a lawyer. And Molly and I pretty much agreed on, like, everything. And so we're like, okay, we just need, like, the most basic contract. Right. Well, it was 22 pages long. And it has you think of every single scenario out there. I mean, things I wouldn't have even thought of. Right. And one of it was, say Molly is pregnant and gets in a car accident and has to go on life support. Who decides, you know, to pull the plug? And I'm like, what? Why would that even be right. on our shoulders? Right, right, right. And it goes to say because, you know, if she's pregnant, our child could be living or, you know, still developing on the life support right. until it can be delivered at a healthy right, month. And I'm thinking, oh my, like, even though that would probably never right, happen. But right,
1: but it like, it takes every single worst scenario, writes it down on paper before your eyes. So you're like, well, I wasn't worried about that before, but now like, yeah. that's, that's crazy. I I wouldn't even.
2: No. And yeah, there were some crazy. other crazy things in there too. And I was like, oh, are we sure we want to do this? And Tim's like, these are one in a million chances.
1: Right. It's and just covering your bases.
2: Yeah, Exactly. So we kind of get the whole contract set up and that's when then the clinic will move on with us. And so the next step was to meet with, um, I think it's like a psychiatrist, just to make sure that we are all on the same page and in it for the right reasons. So Molly meets with a psychiatrist and then it's Tim and I's turn. And this was kind of the first time that someone had said the words to me, you know, how are you doing with the fact that you are not going to be carrying your own child. And I just lost it. I It was fine the first time someone had said that I wasn't going to be doing this. And it was such a heavy moment in my life because I thought, oh, like, am I okay with this? And I love Molly to death. She, she is an absolute amazing human being. I trusted her 100% to do this. It had nothing to do with that. It was just... I'm not going to be carrying my own baby; like someone else is going to be doing that, and it was just a, it was something I struggled with, and I still struggle to this day. Thinking if we do decide to go with surrogacy again, you know, will I ever a hundred percent be okay with it? I don't know, and I felt very guilty for a long time about that because here was Molly willing to give up a whole year of her life to provide to give us a child, and I'm feeling guilty that it's not me. It was. It was just really hard.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like it's also... Obviously, I haven't even been even close to the same circumstances. But I can slightly imagine it's like, as a woman, that's, that's like... One of the things that you're supposed to be able to do—that's mm-hmm. like one of our main purposes on the earth—is to, you know, create life. And you know, God built us in this amazing way that we can, you know, create babies in our bellies. And that's just like, you know, and even when you're a kid, I mean, they make pregnant Barbies for heaven's <laughs> sakes. You know, it's just like it's like, oh my gosh, you just. You think from a young age, even if that, like, changes as you grow up, you know, not everyone is called to be married, not everyone is called to be a mom, but even, I feel like, for the most part, when you're, when you're like, a little girl, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm gonna grow up and be, have a baby someday, mm-hmm. even before you know where babies come from. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just something, it's just something you have in the back of your mind always, and I couldn't even, I couldn't even imagine because, I mean when I got diagnosed and they're like, you might have an issue having kids someday. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I'm just trying to get through high school. We'll think about that later. But you know, now as you, as I'm kind of like getting into my adult life, I'm like, how will I actually, and I obviously will not know until I'm in that position, but how will I react to not being able to do something that, that my body is supposed to be able to do. And it's almost like in the I can imagine, slightly, it's almost like a sense of failure. Like, my body's failing me. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't I don't know if that's you at all, but those are some very distant thoughts that I've had myself. No, completely.
2: That was definitely one struggle that I really had to overcome was just um, loving my body and being okay. Like, I, I felt like my body was failing me. And to just love myself again, it was really a, a struggle. And, you know, the psychiatrist had then said to me, well, you're more you're you're mourning, and I was like, "What? Like, no one died. Like, what do you mean I'm mourning?" And she's like, "You're mourning the the loss of never being able to carry your child." And it just it made me feel so much better. And she just yeah. really validated everything I was feeling. She's like, "Everything you're feeling is normal." And every woman that comes in here, I see that's going through what you're going through. They all feel the same things. Like, you can't beat yourself up about yeah. it. So after that, then. Um, we move on to the IVF part because it is 100% genetically Tim and I's child. It's Tim's sperm fertilized with my eggs. So we move on to IVF. What, a, what
1: is IVF?
2: IVF, so you take these shots to stimulate your eggs. So you have, you know, you have so many follicles that can grow eggs. So these shots are to help them grow to a certain size. Then once they get to a certain size, they... Them all out and they fertilize them in a little peachy, di- petri dish <laughs> with you know your significant other's sperm. So I go through the first round of IVF and it was awful, it was very physically awful. I was sick all the time. You know, I'm five to a hundred some pounds, I'm a very petite person, and I don't. They even said that they had overstimulated me, I reacted really well to the medication. Because my eggs were growing really fast and really large. I looked pregnant. Like, I looked like I was three months pregnant. That's how big my ovaries had swelled up. And I was just sick all the time. I was nauseous. I had migraines. I couldn't eat. Um, it, It felt like I had a bowling ball in my pelvic area. So I was just finally so happy to get these eggs out. And... They go to retrieve, and I had 18 eggs, which is a really good number. And then they fertilize them with Tim's sperm. So out of 18, 10 of them fertilized. And then they grow in the peachy drish for, I think, five days. And they called me on day three, and they're like, okay, you know, 10 of them fertilized, but only nine of them are growing. I'm like, oh, well, that's not bad. That's only one, one's gone. No big deal. Then they called me on day five, and they're like, "Um, you only had two eggs. Well, now I think they're embryos because they're fertilized. You only have two embryos that made it. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Just went through all that work, and you're telling me we only got two still kicking. Yeah. You know, I started with 18 to get down to two. And this is where never say to someone going through IVF, it only takes one. That's like the absolute worst thing you could say to someone. You know, I just spent... IVF is expensive. It's about twenty dollars to $25,000 a sure. Your insurance does not cover it. And, you know, for them to be like, well, you know, it only takes one. Yeah, but I just spent $20,000 to do this. Like, I should have enough embryos to, like, start a family, I thought. Right. And that's really what I was thinking was going to happen. So, we're down to two. And then we decide, okay, should we genetically test them? And my parents are the only ones right now that kind of knew we were doing IVF in the whole family. We didn't, we didn't really want to tell everybody because we didn't know how it was going to go. We also did not tell anyone we had a surrogate. Just because I grew up in a small town, as soon as I told people, oh, Molly Shelton's my surrogate, you know, the whole town was gonna know, right? Right. Yeah, the whole all
1: South Dakota was gonna know. That's yeah, how and it
2: works. <laughs> if Molly were to go out and be like, "Oh, I'm a, I'm gonna be a surrogate," the whole town would be like, "Oh, for Tim and Kayla." I mean, right? Right. They would right. know exactly who it was for. And we just we weren't ready yet until we knew that this was going to kind of work. And I don't know. I also was just I also struggled with the fact like, could people be saying negative things about me using a surrogate? Like. I just instantly thought, what are people going to think? And, like, what are they going to say? And my dad's like, Kayla, no one is going to care. Like, no one is going to care that you're (laughs) doing surrogacy. Don't even worry about it. Right. I'm like, okay, you're right. So anyways, we have two embryos at this point, and we decided to genetically test them um, to make sure that there was no abnormalities, they were healthy, just to ensure that they would stick in Molly when we implanted them. So it takes about two weeks. They run all these tests, and they call me, and they're like, you have one normal embryo. I'm like, seriously? I'm like, what was wrong with the other one? And it had, the other one was missing chromosome 22. So that means that had we implanted it, it either would have miscarried, miscarried, or it would have been um, severely cognitively disabled. Mm. And I... You know and i'm thinking oh i'm so glad that we did decide to do this because had we implanted that embryo you know that would have been the outcome so we implant the other embryo and that was kind of a whole process in itself too um it just at this point it felt like nothing was going right so molly was at the doctors that day and i knew they were going to tell her um when we can do the transfer. I was thinking it would be within the next four to five days. And I get a call from the fertility clinic and I'm thinking, oh great, what is this gonna be about? She had reacted really well to the medication that they gave her and her lining was too thick. So they give you medication to get your lining to a certain thickness so the embryo can really implant into that lining and stick. Well, hers was too thick, which meant we had to cancel this round And then wait a whole nother month before we could do it. And I'm just thinking, nothing is going right. Like, nothing. Why? So then I start playing these mind games like, well, is surrogacy, was that the right choice? Like, is this God trying to tell me that this isn't what we're supposed to be doing? Or is it just poor luck? Yeah, exactly. Or is it just poor luck? So flash forward um, to the transfer. It was the day after Thanksgiving. And... Tim's whole family had decided on Thanksgiving they were going to go to San Diego to see his brother. And Tim and I are like, oh, we're not going. And Tim and I are always the ones that are on every single family vacation. We do not miss it. And they're like, well, why are you not going? And I'm like, oh, money. And they're like, well, we'll pay for it. And they're like, (laughs) ah. Well, actually, we can't get work off. And then they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because we just, we weren't ready to tell them yet. And really, I wanted to be able to, like, surprise them all and be like, hey, we're pregnant. But, hey, it's a surrogate. Right. You know, like, I thought that'd be so fun. And so we to Thanksgiving, and we transfer the next day, and it was just – Tim says it's hands down one of the best days of his life. You know, at this point, we had probably been to the fertility clinic 50 times. Jeez. And it felt like every time we went there – we left with some negative news or right. some answer not answer you know, some question not answered. It was just very defeating, and I was getting so sick of being there. And it was just the first time we left, and like the smiles on our face were like, oh, like this this is gonna work. And I guess I should back up. Um, Tim and I got to be in the room for the transfer, and it was kind of like just such craziness because you're in like the full gowns, mm-hmm. you know. And you step in this room and you see this embryologist through this little window suck up the embryo through this like long needle, <laughs> and then pass it through this little window to your doctor, and then you see it on this like ultrasound screen. Them um, insert it into Molly. It's just such a crazy experience. And I remember um, Jared is Molly's boyfriend, and. He was just like so into it too. Like he That's was awesome. right up there watching it and like he totally made sure Tim and I were like in the spot that we could see everything yeah. and he was just so um oh, what do I want to say?
1: What's the word? Understanding. Yeah, he
2: was very understanding and like wanted us to be a part of it all and right up in it and I just thought what like what a perfect match like we are so lucky that right not only we have Bali, but we have Jared too we just felt so blessed with the both of them and yeah we just left that day happier than ever we thought it was going to work I think we had like a 60 percent chance and the genetic testing actually ups that chance because they did all the testing on it it's a healthy embryo it had the perfect grade they give it like an ABC grade and so we're like, oh it's gonna work, like, no problem. Molly also, she has two children, had no trouble with her right. pregnancies. So we thought it was totally gonna work. So now it's the two-week dreaded wait. And you know, we were like, Well, should we have her take a pregnancy, you know, me and Molly are like, well, should I take a pregnancy test? Should she be not? And I was like, if you feel like you need to go for it. And I'm like, and then let me know what it is. Right. <laughs> and so she took one and she's like, I think there's a faint line. And I'm like, oh gosh, like, I got super excited. I'm like, okay, there's a faint line. And then she's like, I'll take another one tomorrow and I'll let you know. And then she never texted me the next day. And I'm thinking, oh crap. Like, you just have that gut feeling, you know? And my mom and dad had known at this point because obviously they've been with us since day one of this journey. And so it was just really nice to have my mom to kind of confide in and, like, lay it all out there how I was feeling and the anxiousness of it. And... I think it was Tuesday she went in to have the pregnancy test at the hospital and the doctor would call me later that day and I just knew. I remember walking back, I'd just taken my students to lunch and I thought, I think the doctor called. I don't know why I thought that, I just did. And sure enough, I get into my room and I had a missed call and I'm calling back and I I just knew. I'm like, they're going to tell me she's not pregnant, I just know it. Like and it's so weird to have like those gut feelings. Yeah. It was just so strong. And he says the words, I'm really sorry Molly is unfortunately not pregnant. And I just like I don't remember anything he said. He probably talked for 10 minutes after that to explain to me. And you're just like I'm gone. I'm done. Yeah. I'm I'm done. Like I just hung up. And I remember I went next door to see my coworker and she's got kids in there having lunch. I'm like, crap. So then I go down the hall to find my other coworker and she's not in there. And I'm like, crap. So I just go to my car and I didn't want it to, I wanted to tell Tim in person. So I couldn't call him. And so I'm trying to call my mom. She's not answering. Um, I call Tim's brother. I'm like, cause he lives right by the school. And I'm like, are you home? And he's like, no, I'm in was, like, in Fargo or something, and he had no idea that we right. had even done IVF or surrogacy Right, but you just needed someone. Yeah, I was, like, about to lose it, so I then ended up calling my dad, and my dad's like, hello, and I just lost it, and, like, he could tell, obviously, okay, she's
1: not pregnant, and I'm like, I can't get a hold of mom, and... <laughs> Yeah. Moms not answering Are the, is, like, the worst. And, like, you put me on this earth. You better answer because, like, what, for reasons like this. Like, you need to answer your phone. And we got in trouble in high school for not answering when you <laughs> called. So you better be answering. But Exactly. So then I just end up coming
2: home, and I come into my closet, and I lost it. I, I mean, I was, like, on my knees, like, these screams were coming out of my body that I didn't even know I could make these sounds, which really kinda of scared me afterwards. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I just reacted that way. Like that was kind of scary. Like Right. Like where that even who even knew I had those emotions to give. No, and I was so positive up to this point. So positive. I thought this was gonna work, this was it, and for it to just not, it it killed me. And it was really difficult. And so I think that also kind of just proven, like, proved to me, oh, I don't think I could go through a miscarriage. Like, this is kind of what that felt like, even though, you know, we never saw a heartbeat. But, you know, I invested my whole heart and love into making these embryos. I tried everything I could to be super healthy. You know, you're doing these shots for two weeks. Feeling like crap. Yeah. Pushing through and... After i just even seen it be implanted in Molly, all that was kind of running through me and I just, it, it was one of the worst days of my life. I have never felt that way. It was, it was just awful. And I, my mom finally had called me and helped me kind of pull myself back together and I went back to work and I cannot believe that I did that and I don't know how I did it, um. But I did. I just somehow pulled myself together and my coworker finally like came to my door. She's like, where were you? And I was like, don't look at me. Don't talk to me because I will lose it to you. Cause she had actually known what was going on because, right. you know, I miss it. I had to go for ultrasounds every two days. So they're like, why are you gone so much? Like, what is wrong with you? Right. And I'm like, well, I'm doing IVF. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and Yeah. I don't know how I got through the day, but I did. And I think it did kind of help just to like see all my students and their smiling faces and they're joking and laughing. And it really did help kind of put my spirits up. But at the same time I was like just breaking inside, but I couldn't show that to them. And finally the day was over and I just came home, crawled into bed and I'm like, Oh, Tim just needs to get home. Like, is it five o'clock yet? He comes home and I tell him what's happening and he took it Pretty well, And then he just started crying. Mm. And, you know... We, and is he a crier?
0: No! Ugh.
2: We have been together 10 years. I have only seen him cry three times. When our best friend's dad died in high school, um, he left for the army and our wedding day. And, like, you know, I'm sure the wedding day was, like, happy tears, but... Right,
1: but still.
2: But yeah. still, yeah. I just had never... And I'm a very emotional person, and he is not. So, like... Right. It's like, we can't both be emotional. (laughs) No. And I remember just... I would have done anything in that moment to take the pain away from him. Like, I I would have done anything. And then I thought, oh, this is how he's been feeling the whole journey with me. Like, Mm -hmm. he's stayed so strong. He's seen me crying and wants to take that away and make it all better. And it just really helped me understand... His whole side of everything and how he's been staying so strong for us, but yeah, I I would have done anything in that moment to take it that pain away from him, cause it it was tough and we kind of just didn't even really know where to go from there. Yeah, because I also we only had one embryo. It wasn't like oh right. we could try again in a month. Right. So we really didn't know what to do. Um, we kind of just took a cup. I think we. took about a month to kind of just digest everything. And it was also hard because I completely jumped the gun. Like, I thought this was going to work so much that I had planned out how we were going to tell everybody at Christmas. <laughs> so, of course, you know, I'm on Amazon buying stuff and right? totally jumped the gun. Completely. And you know what? I will... not I'm not going to feel bad about that. Like, you I was excited.
1: excited. Yeah. Like, I mean, come come on. We, we had our... People, girls have their weddings planned on their Pinterest board before they even have a boyfriend. All like, right. that's just who we are as human beings and especially women. Mm-hmm. So, no, I I think that makes complete sense in all honesty.
2: Yeah. So, which made Christmas a little tough. And uh, Tim's brother had come home from San Diego and he kind of knew what was going on. And we just decided, okay, we need to share this news with the family. And that's kind of when we started to tell them, you know, I did IVF. It didn't work. We also have a surrogate. Um, It didn't work. We're not not really sure where to go from there. And so it was kind of nice to kind of finally get that off our chest and have our family be aware of everything. And now they could really just help support us and the next step that we took. And thought about it and we decided, okay, let's do one more round of IVF. And I did not want to. I did not want to do another round I was so sick physically. I didn't want to go through that pain again. But Tim really wanted to try again. My mom and dad were like, one more round. Like, you can do one more round. Like, let's – so I just – and Molly was willing to do one more round. So I just felt like I did feel a little bit of pressure to do it again. And I was just really not in the mindset to do it again. And the doctors even were like – um. The doctors were like, "Yeah, we stimulated you way too quickly. You reacted really well to the meds. If you do this a second time, it's going to be totally different. You're going to have a totally different outcome." So that kind of made me feel better. And right. you know, they can't 100% guarantee that. Right. But they really did believe that. And even the, um, one of the embryologists that called was like, "I looked at your chart and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. You are so healthy. Your eggs are in great shape. Um, it's." crazy that you only ended up with one and that the other one was missing chromosomes he's like it doesn't make sense and I'm thinking oh yeah great like heard this no one can answer any of our questions and so I was like okay fine I'll do it a second time like if you're gonna tell me that I'm at a different outcome I can do it in my second round was very different. It was very hard on on me emotionally, you know. The first round was a lot of physical, the second round was a lot of just emotional. You know, I knew what to expect. I knew that these injections were gonna hurt. I knew that I was gonna puff up. You know, I actually didn't have any headaches or like pain like I did the first round. Mm. And I think it's just cause I really was on a lower dose of meds. Yeah. Wasn't taking as much and when you take those injections you instantly feel like the chemicals in your brain
1: it is so it is so strange so is it just like is it just like hormones or like what exactly is it
2: yeah i think it's just like hormones to help like send the signal for your eggs to just grow okay yeah
1: okay that that makes that makes sense because i mean all sorts of waxed up happens when you mess with your hormones yeah that makes sense
2: And you feel like a crazy person. I mean, I would. I remember going to my mom's house, and I was just bawling. And she's like, "Why are you crying?" I'm like, "I don't know, but I just am. I just am." You, you just feel so crazy, and you can feel the chemicals, and
1: it's just like not quite right. No.
2: Yeah. And yeah, you're just all over the board. So, anyways, doing it the second time, it's going really good. They're watching me really closely. Which was awesome, but I ended up having to go um, 9 out of like the 14 days to the Sioux Falls for ultrasounds. Which was just a lot of travel. a lot
1: of traveling.
2: It it was a lot. Um, And every time I go, I had to have my blood drawn. And my veins had become so stiff that they could no longer poke me in my arms. They had to now go to my hand and my wrist and that was probably the worst part of it all. Like I could do the injections all day long, no issue, but the drawing the blood in my wrist and my hand was just awful. And so I was kind of like, okay, you know, this is this is going better. No big deal and Tim and Molly are like super positive. They're like, "Oh, this is this is going to work." Like they were so positive. And I still feel so bad because Molly had come over and I was just negative Nelly. I was really tired. I just got back from, like, a bachelorette party and we're just kind of over it. And she's like, is it something I did? I'm like, no, it's nothing about you. Like, it's nothing right. with you. I'm just – I'm so stuck
1: that it's going to happen again. Like, I right. was like – It's almost like – It's almost like prepare yourself for the worst because you had such – A bad like fallout last time Mm -hmm. when it didn't go well. Like you were positive last time and it ended up with you screaming on the floor in your closet. Exactly. So it's like okay, maybe if I prepare myself for the worst this time, like I won't have such a tear. Like I'll be ready for the emotional roller coaster at the end of it.
2: Exactly. Absolutely. And so I was just really negative. Then I was like, okay, but I can't be. I got. I got to start being positive for Molly, for Tim, for everyone. I need to start being positive. So I kind of was getting a little more positive about it. Um, we went to retrieve. This time I only had 12 embryos, or eggs, and nine of them had fertilized, which is still really good. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you know, I did have a smaller number, but at least nine fertilized. Right. Maybe they, they had more time to develop, and that's why I didn't have as many. Right. Um, then come day five, they call, and we're down to three. I'm like, well, that's not bad. More than two. Yeah, (laughs) it's one more than two. But I just, again, went back to that dark place thinking, this isn't going to work. Like, it's going to be the same story. So since we had three, we decided to do the genetic testing again just to, because last time, you know, with the missing chromosomes, we wanted to just definitely be sure. And, you know, we were thinking we'd at least have two. So we were actually talking to Molly about implanting two. And she was, she was okay with it. Um, she definitely had concerns because both could stick, and you yeah. know you're carrying multiples at that point, and it's a lot on a body. That is a lot on a body. You know, she might have to be missing more work, and she has a little boy at home. Like, I, right. I, I never wanted this experience to take away from her family. Like, yes, never want that. So. But ultimately, we did decide, okay, if we have two embryos, we're going to implant two. So, then my mind starts to get excited about the fact, like, oh, what if we had twins? Like... Right. Then we could just be done. Like, I, I would be done after two twins, like... So, get excited about that, and we're waiting for them to call, and they call, and again, we have one normal embryo. Oh, my gosh. And I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness. Like, seriously, what are the odds? Like... I right, I was done. I think I like threw things on the floor. I was just like seriously, right? And then it turned out to me, you know, not resenting Tim and my mom and dad, but just being, eh, we can do some resentment. Like I was just so angry. I'm like, you guys pushed me to do this. I didn't even want to do it in the first place. Right. You told me this wasn't gonna happen, and it did. And you know that was just me kind of going through the feelings of everything. I don't I don't feel that way now, but in the moment I had and. Back to the three embryos we had, two of them were, again, missing chromosomes. So Tim and I are like, why is this happening? Like, are my eggs bad? Like, what is going on? They had no answers for us. Um, You know, they just said science isn't really there yet. I wasn't missing the same chromosomes every time. Mm. Had I, you know, always been missing 17 or 22, that could maybe give a little more insight. But they were so random which really stunk so um then they're like do you want to know the gender and I'm like well at this point yeah sure tell me the gender <laughs> and I'm like that too kind of makes it feel more real like right. once you know the gender you're like oh because then you start to picture it right and the first time we had implanted a boy and I was like super excited to like oh we're gonna be a boy mom and then the second time was a girl I'm like oh we're gonna be a, like a girl mom and you just you start to picture it and it becomes more real. And so we get to then the transfer and um, COVID hits. And I'm thinking, seriously, what?
1: What else could possibly go wrong at this point?
2: COVID of like, you know, a freaking pandemic. Like, really? Right. (laughs) And we were very fortunate. Um, It it was COVID had just really hit when we had already had the transfer set. and. We called on Monday, and we we're like, hey, can Tim and I, like, still come to the hospital? They're right. like, you can come to the hospital, but you can't, unfortunately, you can't be in the room this time. Right. And, you know, that was kind of a bummer because it was such yeah. an experience. And if this did stick, I wanted to be there to see that. And we're like, okay, well, at least we can be in the waiting room and right. be there. It was mainly to be there in support of Molly. Right. And Tim was like, we're going no matter what, even if I have to sit in the parking lot. I'm like, well, you just ate your words because the next day we were probably 10 miles from Sioux Falls and Molly calls us and she's like, they're not going to let you in. Oh my God. And I'm like, what? Why? Um, we live in Beetle County. We had a huge outbreak. Oh yeah. I remember that. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Yep. And when they had found out that we were from Beetle County, they said we could not come in. And I'm like, seriously? I'm like, ugh. so Yep. And I'm like, well, we're going to, you know, we're already here. We're going to, we're, we're, we're here. going to so, get
1: as close as possible.
2: Yep. So we did. Tim and I sat in the parking lot and like, we still laugh about it to this day. Cause we're like, you know, it's just so odd. You're sitting in the parking lot and inside, you know, your future child is getting implanted into someone, you know, like right. it's just a, not how you ever picture conceiving right. your right, kid. right. So that was super interesting. And then. Um, then I just started thinking, oh my gosh, if we couldn't even be there for this, what happens if Molly does become pregnant, are we even going to be at any like ultrasounds? And then it's like,
1: it'll never feel real. It'll right. never feel like, this it'll just be like nine months later. It'll be like, oh, here's your baby. We'll toss it out the window to you, or just, You right. know, like the, I couldn't imagine. And then
2: I I'm like, imagine. well, people adopt. So it's probably very similar uh, right. to that. Like it'll be okay. And yeah. Um, unfortunately it didn't work. Um, we don't know why we actually had a 75% chance of it working, which was really high. That is really high. Yeah. And yeah, it just—it just, it just wasn't meant to be. Um, we don't, and that's kind of when we decided to close the chapter with Molly. Typically they would do three rounds, but because again, I, I had no more embryos and I was not about to do a third round of IVF. Well, we, there's no way we could have afforded a third round. Yeah. I mean, the second round had really pushed us and There was just no way. And I think, too, for Molly, you know, that's hard. Like, I just think about her and, you know, she really wanted to do this for us. And she was excited to do it. She was excited to become pregnant and be a part of all this. And, you know, she had to kind of mourn that, too. And it was tough. Um, I should also back up to how when my dad said, oh, Kayla, you know, no one's going to care about surrogacy. Don't worry about it. Right. a legislator had actually decided to, he proposed this bill to ban surrogacy. What? Yes. And I'm thinking, I remember I was just like, seriously, what more could be thrown into our into the journey? Right. Like, 27 years of my life, no one has talked about surrogacy, and now there's this law, they want to make this law to ban it? I'm like, you're kidding me. So I'm like, really, Dad? You said no one was going to care. And clearly all these people care
1: because... Oh, frickin' Bill got brought up. Was that in South Dakota? Yep. Um, yes.
2: I'm trying to think of where he's from. Somewhere around the Sioux Falls area. One of them, he started it. And so, of course, we're very invested in this. And, um... The bill was actually to ban commercial surrogacy. So everyone was like, well, that's not you. Like, you're not going through an agency. And I'm like, okay, but if you actually went and read into the the bill, under commercial was any person that's being paid to carry a child falls under that category. Right. Well,
1: yes. Anyone that's going to carry a child that's not their own for nine months is expecting some kind of compensation, even if they're your sister or best friend.
2: Correct. Because you're missing work, you're traveling, doctor's bills. You're not going to, you should not have to pay your doctor's bills. That should be, it's our child. Like that is our duty, responsibility. So it was just crazy. And yes, Tim and I were grandfathered in because anyone before July 1st that had a contract, this wouldn't affect them. So yeah, we were grandfathered into it, but I just thought if this passed and someone was in my position and they couldn't do surrogacy because of this bill, my heart just broke for them. And I, we were just very passionate about it. Um, Tim was very passionate about it. We stayed up to date with everything. We emailed all the people on the legislative, like, you know, this is our story. This this, This is why we are doing surrogacy. And, you know, they had really awful things to say about it. Like, that I was, um, paying to have a child. What did they say? Yeah, just like, you know, I'm paying, I'm paying for children and, oh, what did they call it? They called it,
1: well, like, what's adoption? Adoption is also so expensive. Right. And, like, just, just the whole thought process behind it, like, I can't even imagine because it's like... Already obviously if you're having infertility issues, it's like i already ha- had so many options like robbed from me. Mm-hmm. Like having a child is already expensive enough without having to go through the process of adoption or surrogacy or you know any other kind of infertility treatment, whether it be you know, with not even using a surrogate, like it's it's expensive any way that you slice it and then just taking another option off the table is just it's cruel.
2: It is. And I, I also kind of thought, you know. Why is this any of your business? Why is me, how I start my family your business? I just kind of thought they were putting, you know, and that's that's gets in the whole like political side of it. But yeah, it was just it was tough. And once a month, our town has coffee with the ledges, um, the legislators. So some of the our town's representatives, you know, I'm not big in the whole politics. I don't know all the right terminology. But Molly had texted us. She's like, hey, I'm going to go to this, and I'm going to bring up about the surrogacy thing. I'm thinking, okay, we'll go to support you like 100%. Well, Tim took that as he wrote this whole page long (laughs) thing of all these questions he was going to ask them of like, why are you supporting this? Um, You know, you say that we are aborting babies, but anybody going through IVF has those embryos. And you have a year to store them. And then after a year, um, you have to like pay to store them. But like still, you know, it doesn't have... I didn't really think it was, like, the whole down the road of abortion. And so then, you know, I'm, which also then just made me feel, like, terrible. Right. After, you know, so he has all this that he's coming up with. And we get there. And we kind of got there a little late. Or I even not think we were late, but it was packed. And so the only seats that are open are front row. Of course. And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> so we're front row. We're probably, everyone's staring at us because I bet they're... Out of the whole room, there's no one in there under the age of 50. And then there's us, you know. Early, so like, boom, late 20s. Yep. Yeah. Stick out like a sore thumb. Okay, so you guys are front row. Front row. And um, my superintendent was actually behind me. And I'm thinking, oh, God. Now he's going to know my whole story. And, like, the whole town at this point is going to know our whole story right? now. And so Tim gets up there. And he starts, you know, you have about a... They give you, like, 20 seconds to share your quick background. And then you're only supposed to ask questions. You're really not supposed to, like, share a whole long story and how you feel about it. It's right. supposed to be questions. He starts talking, and I lost it. I'm like, oh, crap. I run out. So you start you started crying? Oh, yeah. I could oh. feel the tears. I run out, and my dad had got there late. Because my dad's also very passionate about this. Right? And he was going to right. speak his mind, too and he just like sees me and I I just the tears then just flow and I hid in the bathroom (laughs) the entire time I was you know sitting in the bathroom stall just bawling finally my dad comes in and gets me and he's like it's over like you can come out and he's like I was like well how did it go and he goes they shut him down they didn't want to answer a single question um The main person was like I the main person did say to Tim like I agree with you this is not really our business um I'm going to be voting no on it and they kind of just left it at that they didn't they didn't want to answer the questions and you know they were tough questions so that kind of gets over and we stick around because then you can kind of talk to them more one-on-one and Tim's like we need to have lunch like let's have lunch and we can like talk about all these things I'm like Tim they don't care like you need to drop it like just drop it and eventually, you know, my dad too, he's there asking all these questions and I'm just like so, I wasn't embarrassed, but I'm like, oh man. But it's just know, like, it's just more. It's it just is. It's just a lot. It's just a lot. And then the next day is a Monday and I'm at school and someone is in the lounge reading the newspaper and they look at the newspaper and then look up at me and then look at the newspaper oh, no. and look up at me. And I'm like, what? And he's like, is this you? Sure enough, Tim and I and Molly, front page of the Huron newspaper.
1: Front and center at the meeting. (laughs) Yes.
2: Coffee with the legislators. Tim McLeod voicing an opinion about surrogacy. Him and his wife are having fertility issues. And they're going to use a surrogate. And I'm thinking... Yep, the whole town.
1: And was just knows. like, share your story, share yeah. your story. I'm like, oh, Not really what I was picturing, but... No, not at all. And it turned
2: out that um, they really couldn't come to an agreement on the whole law. There's just so much that plays into it, you know. It's very broad, and it just kind of got
1: thrown out. So that was really good, but again... You kind of just want to like throw to the mats with whoever thinks it's even a good idea. Yeah, well, like, it's just like
2: one more thing in this whole journey. So yeah, two rounds of IVF, both failed, um, kind of closed the door on surrogacy. Not really sure if we will do surrogacy again because I'll have to do IVF again. Um, kind of just taking some moments to maybe save our money up to do that again. I don't know kind of on the back burner right now
1: that's fair so where where are you guys at now now after all of that
2: yeah we kind of just took a couple months to just decompress I mean our whole it had been like what a year now of just being in and out of that fertility clinic um all we ever talked about was time to intercourse and the fun of all that was gone and we just took some time to just to ourselves to kind of just get back in the groove of things. And um, then I kind of started meeting with my chiropractor and just doing some, like, natural ways to kind of balance my hormones. Yeah. Because, you know, going through two rounds of IVF, I was all over the place. Like yeah. And I felt it. Like, I just felt all over the place. And I did the um, elimination diet, which is 30 days of basically chicken – fruits vegetables and fish and it's really to just get rid of any inflammation that's in your body and kind of just reset everything right and it was also to see if I had like any um food intolerances to anything that might have been like causing a lot of inflammation and it definitely worked I mean like I really just debloat is debloated a word
1: you know what it is now
2: it sure is debloated there it is yeah I mean I highly recommend it to anyone it was freaking hard I mean 30 days was hard but I totally saw this whole like change in things and a lot of food like then you start reintroducing foods and nothing was really like bugging me too bad but like definitely would bloat up from it again so right that was good um then we still just I don't know we still we still just weren't content. And I thought, okay, should we switch doctors? And that was a really hard decision because I didn't want to hurt our current doctor's feelings. And at the end of the day, you know, he was like, I just want you to have a baby. Right. That's our goal for you. If you right. if you need to switch, go for it. Like it's totally okay. So we switched fertility doctors and that's when she kind of was wondering that maybe I had PCOS because during IVF, I had a lot of um, cysts on my ovaries. Okay, turns out I didn't, of course, because why would why would, would it be a... simple? <laughs> yeah. yeah, why would a question get answered? And um, she kind of talked about maybe trying clomid, which anyone going through infertility clomid's like the very first thing you try. So we totally started at the highest, and now at like the, the very bottom of how you should have went about this. But um, clomid is just. The reason we chose clomid was because it would ensure that my left ovary produced an egg that month. Because I don't have my right fallopian tube I had surgery to remove right. that, so it was just kind of like an insurance policy to always ensure that my left ovary was gonna produce an egg. And we felt really good about that. We're like, okay, that's awesome. And then with that, you just take a tablet for five days. Um, then you take a, it's called a trigger shot to send your body into ovulation within the next 36 hours so you really know when to have intercourse and then you know you wait the two weeks if you're pregnant you move right. on. Um it didn't work for us the first round it really thinned out my lining and so if we're next month we'll try um, letrozole which is the exact same thing as clomid it's just apparently it's supposed to help with that hmm. so I think we're just going to kind of go that way for a couple months, you know, it's right. fairly cheap. I think, and all in all, it costs us, like, under $1,000. Oh, okay. Yeah, compared to, you know, IVF, which is...
1: Which is... A lot. An arm and a leg, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um... <laughs> So what, sorry interrupt you, but what's seed cycling? Because I noticed you mentioned that in your blog. And I was really excited to ask you about that because I've had a few people be like, have you tried seed cycling? Have you tried seed cycling? Seed cycling is the new thing. And I'm like, I haven't tried it yet and I haven't looked into it at all. But then I saw it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm totally going to ask about that just for myself.
2: Yeah, so it's just rotating different seeds at different times of your menstrual cycle. So it really helps regulate your hormones. And a lot of it... um, girls with PCOS, it yeah. really helps them. And I will say I did notice a difference. My um I didn't have as much cramping. I had kind of lighter periods. Um I wasn't as like bloated during them. I didn't even have headaches. Like I used to, have to take like Midol like in he- constant heat pad all day. Right. And it it really did help. So like what
1: kind of seeds? Like are we talking like so, chia seeds and sunflower seeds or yes.
2: Yeah, so the first It breaks it up. So your first 14 days of your cycle, I think, is the pumpkin seeds mixed with something else. And you you make them just like those energy balls. Like, you can put chai seeds in there. Um, I use almond butter. You can use peanut butter. Things like that. As long as, I think, you just have to have those pumpkin seeds. And then the last 14 days is sunflower seeds. Or it could be backwards. One of the
1: two. One of the two. Either or.
2: And, yeah, it's just really important that you have the pumpkin and sunflower seeds, but you have to like grind them up and then freeze them because something with, after you grind them, the oxidation of the seeds, that they can only last three days in the fridge before they lose their magic power or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) So it's kind of like a pain because you got to keep them in the freezer and then you can just always take three out at a time. But yeah. Hmm.
1: It's That's very interesting. interesting. That is interesting. I'll actually have to, like, try because I've had a few people tell me about it, but I just haven't ever gotten around to really trying it just in the back of my mind. But I it, I'm like, oh, I'll have to ask her about that. Yeah, Pinterest it. There's Pinterest of it? Okay. Just... Um, okay, so I just had a few questions here, and you kind of covered a little bit of it, but just a little bit of a deeper dive. Obviously, you said, obviously, very emotionally taxing. Mm-hmm. What would you say every single doctor's visit, conversation, everything about it, what were kind of some of your coping mechanisms? Like, how did you kind of work through those, like, exceptionally rough patches?
2: Right. Um, man, I really probably should have seen a counselor, and I know it. I had my chiropractor telling me to see a counselor. I had my doctor telling me to see a counselor. I had my parents, Tim, and I should have. It just, it wasn't there for me, so... Instead, I joined support groups. And actually, I wish I would have joined the support group on Facebook earlier. I mean, one day I was just like, oh, I wonder if there's support groups for unicornia uterus. And I Facebooked it, and there's like hundreds of them. Right. And surrogacy and all that. And when I joined the support groups, I realized that there was a lot of women with a unicornia uterus that got pregnant naturally, that never even knew they had it until they gave birth.
1: That's crazy. That
2: have given birth to twins. That have given birth naturally, not have had a c-section. Um, haven't had to go through all the miscarriages. And I just thought, whoa, had I known that, maybe in the beginning we would have tried a little bit more on my own, or maybe I would have right. done IVF to me. I mean, I I never look back on my experience and wish anything different because it's really brought Tim and I so much closer together and where we are at today, but I just wish I would have known about that right. prior to everything. And then, um, yeah, just join some support groups. But, you know, that can also be hard because I'm in a really small support group right now of um, women that are very in our community. And there's six of us. And I think now four out of the six are pregnant. Mm. And, you know, that's tough when you're helping someone with infertility struggles and then they get pregnant and you right. don't. Right, Yeah. But then at the same time, um, you know, people are going to get pregnant all around me. And one of my best friends from college, she's actually pregnant. And I could tell she had a lot of hesitation talking to me about yeah. her pregnancy. And that also stinks too because it's like, you're my best friend. Like, I want you to be able to talk to me and it not be awkward and it right. not be weird. But, yeah, it is a little awkward and it is a little weird. Cause, and it's both in the back of our mind. But, right, you know, so happy for her. I still want to be a part
1: of all that with her, but yeah. The grief and the joy side by side, it's it's hard, it's hard to navigate sometimes, it I'm is. sure. It is. Yeah. It for sure is. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you said it has obviously made you and Tim a lot closer. What do you feel has been the biggest challenge you guys have overcome as a couple? Oh, man. I mean, just, I'm sure there have been tons, but Yeah, I think just that
2: open line of communication, I mean... Yeah, we had been together for 10 years, but we had never really faced something as challenging as this that had to really make us open up deep and have a lot of deep, hard conversations. And in the beginning, like I said, we were on totally separate pages and yeah, that was just a challenge to really overcome and kind of understand both sides of what each other were thinking and feeling and accepting that and moving forward.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. How do you feel it, like, impacted your guys' relationship the most? And maybe that's kind of the same question, but uh, how maybe it changed the dynamic a little bit or something like that. Yeah.
2: You know, it definitely, like, maybe I'm not answering it right either, but it definitely brought us really close together. Is
1: that kind of, like, right? You... Yeah. However you feel like answering it, honestly. What Whatever comes to mind. Yeah. I think... You know, in
2: the beginning, it was it was really tough, and me not being able to carry a child, or at the time thinking I couldn't carry a child, and that was something that God, you know, I it was my job to do, and I couldn't do that, and I just felt here's this man who is so supportive, so loving, and I can't give him a kid. It it broke me, and I remember one day, um, and maybe it was totally the hormones that day. I don't know. <laughs> But I remember, like, saying, sitting him down on the couch and saying, if if you want to leave, leave me. You can leave me. And he was like, what? And I mean, what? it was very serious. I was like, you will make the the greatest dad and I feel like I am robbing you of that and I'm giving you an out. No questions asked. If you need to leave, you here's your out, basically. And he, like, started, like, choking up. He was like, I would never, ever leave you. He's like, mm-hmm. you don't understand. I I will be happy. And I'm like, start to cry. He was like, if it's just me and you for the rest of our life, that is good enough for me. Like, that, my heart is full just having you in my life. And that's all I need. And I thought, oh man, okay. So, yeah, that's kind of the hurdle we had to get over. And then it just, everything kind of fell fell into place after that and it it really did bring us closer together. I mean, I couldn't imagine doing this with anyone else and I'm sure everyone says that about their spouse, but I just I really couldn't. I don't think I could. And I also think just being together for so long, you know, going through all those different stages in our life together, from high school, college, um, you know, the year he was gone in the army and all that, like just didn't even compare to
1: this journey that we were on now. Right. I know Cameron, she says a lot when people are like, you married your high school sweetheart, and you guys married Seong or whatever. And she always says that she's like, she's like, why? Like, why, you know, you guys are missing out on, you know, your fun 20 single years or whatever it happens to be. And she's like, well, you don't get it. We don't only get to grow old together. We get to grow up together. Right. And I always think that's so special. And I don't know, it just reminded me of that when you guys are talking about being together for so long. Yeah. That's just like so beautiful. Um, okay. So... You're obviously very open about your life and what you've been through and what you continue to go through, but not everybody is. What is something that you wish people would know or realize when talking with someone dealing with infertility struggles? Because obviously it's a touchy subject. And even me, when I was like writing up the outline, I'm like, is this like insensitive to word it this way? <laughs> like, I honestly didn't know. And I feel like it's such a touchy subject that people don't even don't even want to talk about or ask the questions of how to approach it properly.
2: Right. Yeah. And you know, in the beginning of this, I was so open and I thought to myself, why are more women not talking about this? Like, why is it so taboo? Like why aren't they opening up? So we don't all feel like we're alone. And it was when I hit those two really breaking points, I realized, Oh, this is why so many women don't talk about it because it is hard. And once, you know, your story's out there, Um, people do have just that sympathy towards you, and then it sometimes they say things that like you don't want to hear or it's not helpful. Like there's so many times people said to me, "Well, at least you have one embryo," and it's like I didn't want to hear that. Right. It just it's not what I wanted to hear. Like yeah, I have one, but like you don't understand. Like you just don't get it, and they're never going to get it. Right. And at the same time, you know. You don't want to make them feel bad because they're just they're just curious and I think right. a lot of things they ask is just nature, you know, human right. nature of wanting to show that they're caring and under, you know, being there for you. And it also is so I don't there's really no right or wrong answer right. because everyone's so different and what you say to one person might be okay but to another one it's not. And I think just trying to not be too over sympathizing like that feeling of I'm so sorry and because typically when someone I think will confide in you what they're going through with infertility they just want to get it off their chest like they just just want to get it out there and tell someone and so a lot of time I think just like nodding and saying oh yeah like just letting them talk to you you don't necessarily always need like an
1: answer. You don't need to try to fix the problem. Right. Right. Exactly. Which is human nature. You're like, okay, yeah, let's, let's work it out. Let's do it. And you're just like, nope, there's actually no fixing it. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. That makes Don't sense. fix the problem. That makes sense. Um, what is a piece of advice that you would give to someone who's just starting out on their infertility journey?
2: Do your research. Um, like I said, join those support groups. It's something I wish I would have done in the beginning. You can get so much Great information out of that, um, and also just find one really go to person. Your husband is a great go to person, he was mine, but at the same time, you might need to vent about things that you don't necessarily want your husband to know because you know, there's times where like I'm so hormonal and I'm feeling these ways, but I didn't really want to tell Tim that because I was like, well, maybe tomorrow I'll feel different.
1: You need a girl who understands what PMS on steroids is. Yes. Yeah. And
2: like, you know, there's so many times Tim's like, well, try to make me understand. And I'm like, but you're not, you're never going to understand what, what I'm going through. I'm not going to feel the baby kicking or be the one that's, you know, making sure my body's getting the right nutrients to feed it. Like you're never going to understand that. And he just really didn't get it. He's like, but you're telling me about it. So like, I understand. I'm like, no, no, you, you don't. don't. You know, and you're not ever going to.
1: So we just need to drop that conversation. <laughs> but because I mean, I feel like it's like it's it's what you're. I mean, women are naturally they're they're the nurturers. They're they're the the soft hearted ones. They're made to you know n- nurture families and children and all that kind of stuff. And then the men are like the providers. Like we bring home bring home the bacon. So it's almost like okay, so like me not being able to you know, make a baby. Imagine if you were, you know, in a way disabled and you couldn't provide for your family. Mm-hmm. Like, how would you feel? Right. You know, and for, and I feel like it's, it's really hard because we're just wired so, so, so different. So yeah. I can kind of understand that a little bit. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So to wrap things up a little bit, what is one challenge you feel you personally are still trudging through emotionally, physically, spiritually? <laughs> um, I think just accepting
2: that this is my journey. I mean, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to 100% accept this and be okay with it. Um, Like I said, this last June was really difficult for me. It marked two years of trying. And I think it was the first time that I had just sat down and thought, whoa, I went through two rounds of IVF. I lost a, you know, fallopian tube. I never even really just digested that, like... Right, actually processed it. Just yeah. kind of kept trudging along. Yeah. Right. And, you know, now we're trying CullMed, and it's been two years. And then, you know, I hear stories about women that have been trying for five or six or seven, and I'm like, I don't know if I could accept that. Like, I, I don't want that to be us. And so I'm just really, right now, trying to accept that this is my journey and finding happiness without having a child. Um Just trying to be happy every day without a child. Yeah. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, that does make sense. Um, And then, what is the biggest challenge you feel you have personally overcome?
2: Oh, man. I don't really know if I have overcome very many challenges still. But (laughs) I would have to say loving myself and my body. Um, I felt like my body was failing me. I was going through so many horm- hormone changes and even like just weight loss. Um, I started out this journey at like 125 pounds and at the end of it, I was down to 104. I mean, I'm sure it was the stress, the right. injections, the having I mean, surgery, all that played effect to it. It just, it really took a toll on my body. And then I'm standing in front of the mirror and I look different. I feel different. And I'm thinking, my body's failing me, it won't get pregnant. So I'm just, it really took a lot to overcome that and love myself regardless of my unicornia uterus and everything that's (laughs) happened to it.
1: I love that. That's awesome. Good, she says. (laughs) There it goes. There it goes. Well, any final thoughts or closing words? No, I really... I don't think so. That was awesome. Was it? That was awesome. Ugh. I thoroughly loved it. I was okay. like, I when I was just saying so all now, I was like writing on the scene. I'm like, well, all of our episodes are like the length of like either anywhere from like 30 minutes to like an hour and 45 minutes. So you can go as long as you want yeah. or as short as you want. No pressure in the back of my mind. I'm like, I hope she talks for a long oh, time. Yeah. I'm like, like, I hope she has some stuff to say. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I was like practicing. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is even like probably two hours long. Like, I could just keep going and going. Right. And-
1: right. You're just always thinking of new things that have happened. Right. That's fair. Um, there's a few of our guests that we've talked to and we're like, well, we'll see you in like a year. Follow up. we <laughs> yeah, have kidding. to do like a follow up episode yeah. because that, I mean, that would be incredible. So, well, I mean, thank you so much for sharing your story and um, sharing with our listeners. I think like 93% are... Um, female, so... Oh, perfect. Hold, I mean, you're... There's gonna be some crying eyes. I told my sister on the way up here, I'm like... She's like, who are you interviewing today? And I'm like, Kayla. And she's like, what are you interviewing her about? And I'm like, um, she's just... Her and her husband have been going through some infertility struggles and stuff. And she's like, wow, I will be weeping by the end of that. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I'm like, okay, like, great. This cut. Like, it's not the goal, but obviously, like, to right. oh, touch hearts and stuff. And I think it's so special. You know, I, I've said since the beginning of this that, you know, you don't go... I feel like a lot of the times for certain people, God doesn't put you through things just to keep them to yourself. He puts you through things because it's like, hey, it's not that I want you to hurt, but there's other people hurting that I need you to be a witness for, and that I need you to be there for, and so they don't feel alone, right? And I just I think that's like so important to keep in mind for people like like Rachel that we talked to. Um, a few episodes ago going through her MS struggle and all that kind of stuff she's like I wouldn't change anything because you know of all the things that I've learned and the things I've been able to help other people with so I just I think it's so special that you're so open about it and willing to share your struggles and hey I'm still struggling but I'm still here pushing through and I just really appreciate that about you you're you're such a kind soul oh thank you (laughs) well thank you for being on our podcast today thank you guys and um, we will be here again next week for another episode of Coffee and a Combo Podcast.